chapter 3. Olivia, we're going to go back and do the whole chapter, starting with verse 1. Well, not the whole chapter, but a good part of it. Man, everybody got a Bible today or some way to look at the Word of God. It's important. Amen. There was a man of the Pharisees, and his name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That's who we believe in today. No man can do the miracles that he does except God be with him. When we have a revelation that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the only begotten of the Father, no matter where that takes place, at night, during the daytime, in a church service, driving in the car, when you get a revelation of who he is, and that changes everything. Nicodemus was about to get that revelation. But if you notice, like us, a lot of times, Jesus gets to the point that we weren't trying to get to. He just says what's the truth. And he said, Nicodemus came by night and said, Rabbi, we know, we know. How many of you today know that what we believe in is the truth of God? And the only way you can know that is to have a revelation of who he is. He's not just some God, he is God. He's the creator of the... I was thinking this morning when I got up, um, two times, I really enjoy uh, the morning. I need to get up earlier. Some people get up with the dawn. I really enjoy dusk at night. You know, it's like God saying, this is what you accomplish in this day. And I saw the intricacy of the, of the world that we live in, how intricate and how beautiful the design is. And you see the trees and the different things, and you say, this couldn't have possibly happened by accident. I mean, this couldn't possibly happen. It's too intricate. And for those that want to teach that, that all of a sudden there was just this big explosion and all these good things showed up, even if you, if you believe somewhat in that, it's got to start somewhere. And that somewhere is the Creator. In Him, all things were created. Everything lives and moves and has their being in Him. I mean, different trees. It's just amazing. That, that has to be the master work of a master creator. It's just not some guy that could do false miracles or whatever else. We saw what happened when, you know... Um, the world and the enemy is very powerful and he can uh, counterfeit the works of God. Remember when Moses had the staff that turned into a serpent and they said, well, we got guys that can do that. <laughs> well, the world's got guys that can do a whole lot of stuff and people that can believe a whole lot of things. But when it comes right down with, to it, when, when Pharaoh became convinced when Moses would go to him and say, let my people go. You know, that I was talking about that day coming in our lives. When that day hits in your life, 
The, the enemy can throw out all he wants to throw, but when you realize that he's the living God, then, then you'll be let go from the clutches of the enemy. He's the only one that can do that. And so however you get that revelation, it doesn't matter. But it, and here's what I love about the Lord. So many times, well, I love a lot of things about him. I shouldn't say that. But verse 3 is so curious. He said, they're calling him a good teacher, and they're calling him, you can do miracles. And look what he says in verse 3. Okay, okay, verily, that means okay, surely. I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus wanted a smooth transition or a smooth conversation, but Jesus was the truth, the life, and the way. And he would always answer questions was something that would spur you to thinking or on to the next thing. And so it says right there, if you want to uh, experience the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. A lot of people can pray the Lord's Prayer, but one of the key verses in there is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is all around us. It, it, it's in different forms, in different ways, but it's creation. And, and he says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. I didn't realize or appreciate the things of God until I was born again. And if we stray, it, the things of God will uh, draw you back. His goodness and mercy will draw you back into the kingdom of God. We can see the kingdom of God once we're born again. If you're not born again... Uh, you're looking through a glass darkly. There's things that you just can't realize because the flesh and the spirit are two different things. And spiritual people receive spiritual things and fleshly people receive fleshly things. So he said, you'll see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, of course, that... That's just natural thinking. How can this be? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we want to be in the kingdom of God, right? We want to live our life in the kingdom of God. So we need to believe what Jesus said because he is the creator of life. In the beginning was the Word. He was there for all of that. And he says, uh, that which is born of the flesh, verse 6, is, is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants or where it goes. And you, you hear the sound of uh, therefore, but you cannot tell from whence it cometh. That's a great example of the Holy Spirit. It'll blow through your life. We need to accept where it's coming from, and that's from the very throne of God. We'll, we'll delve more into that in a minute. I have, if I have told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Remember Jacob's ladder, where Jacob had that encounter with God. He had a revelation of who he was. And he said, I saw the angels of the Lord ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder. And what does the Bible say that angels do? They administer spiritual gifts. They're for protection. There's so many things that, that the Lord, uh, uh, angels are involved in. 
But the thing is, is that he says to the disciples later on, uh, Philip or Andrew and Nathaniel had this debate. And Jesus said, you'll see greater things than this because you're going to see the Son of Man ascending and descending with the angels. So that means things are spiritually discerned. And verse 9 says, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? And Jesus said unto him, you're a teacher of Israel, and no, you don't know these things. Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and testify what we have seen, and receive not, and you receive not our witness. If I had told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? He wanted to get their focus off the kingdom, the physical part of why the Jewish people were still waiting on God. They wanted a physical kingdom. He said, this has got nothing to do. The most important thing is your new birth, which ushers you into a spiritual kingdom, which is the plane that we're going to live on eternally, either with God or without God. It's an eternal thing. And so you can't understand it unless you look at it in a spiritual way. And no man has ascended. Okay, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Praise and worship, exaltation. That's what we do. We lift him up in the congregation. All through history, when, when the things of God are taking place, there's a lifting up, there's an exalting that goes on. We must exalt him. Um, we can't act like when we come to church that, that you know, let's... Let's move. Let's go. We have things to do. Well, the most important things that we have to do are the things of God. And a lot of people don't want to take time for the things of God. But when you walk out the door today after church, I just want you to get a good look. Now, you'll say, well, that's earthly things. Well, God speaks to us through earthly things sometimes. You know, before I was saved, I didn't, could have cared less whether the sun was out because I lived in darkness. So somebody would say, boy, did you see this? You see that? I didn't care. But then when the, the spirit of the living God comes in your life, the darkness becomes less important and the light becomes more important. Who is the light? He is the light. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the way. He's the light that lights all men. So when you go out today, just notice a few things that maybe you didn't notice before. Creation just cries out. Okay. So we need to lift him up, and even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. No matter what's going on in the world right now, I have one thing that's guaranteed. I can't guarantee my health. I can't guarantee hardly anything. But there's one thing that I can guarantee, that I'm not going to perish, and I'm going to have eternal life in the presence of God. Why? Because that's what I profess. That's part of it because the Bible says you got to believe in your heart and what? Confess. Confess with your mouth. So uh, let me challenge you. If you've not confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, that's the next step you need to take. You can be a theologian. You can be this. You can be that. But there's one thing that's more important than all that, and that's speaking the name of Jesus. If you're uh, really estranged from God, you won't speak the name of Jesus. John talks about that First John. If they do, they'll make a mockery of who he is. 
But the thing is, is that I have a guarantee today because of my belief in Jesus Christ. Why? Because of what I had to offer, how handsome I am, or anything like that. Some of you could claim that, but certainly not me. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to be that I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Nothing can change His Lordship. Nothing can change His place in the Trinity. He is God. And we must confess that. Has everybody in here made that confession today? It's so important. You say, well, I don't like to be in front of a crowd or I don't like to be this. Well, Nicodemus didn't either. He came and talked to the master at night. He said, well, maybe if I go talk to him at night. See, Jesus had got his attention because he realized the teaching and the miracles that he had performed. So Jesus had his attention. In the world we live in today, people will give God a little attention, but they need to go that, that step farther, which proclaims his lordship and his, his place in the Trinity, that there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he's the only begotten son. And since he's the only begotten son, he belongs to the family of God. And since he came and died for my sins, then that makes me worthy of the, the kingdom of God because what he purchased, I accept and I confess. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. You were saved in your part of the world through him. The salvation of God. His glory covers the earth, and in his glory is salvation. We sing that song sometimes, that Bethel song. I think it's Bethel, about show me your glory. Show me your glory. We all want to see the glory of God. There's specific things contained in the glory of God that we're going to break down here in, a, in just a minute. So, so verse 18 said, he, believes, he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. So that means... There's an action required with the belief. And that action is to say with your mouth, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an action. You know, it's very little requirement on our part because everybody's worried about the work of God. What do we do for the work of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on the one that was sent. That's the work. That's the work. That's pretty easy. I believe. Now, the scripture was popping into my mind. You know, we all have a measure of faith, and some of us believe differently or or more powerfully in one area or the other. But the disciples said to him one day, they said, Jesus, we believe. Help thou our unbelief. So that leads me to believe right there that we all have questions of belief and everything else. They believed in Jesus, but there were certain things they couldn't heal, they couldn't do this, just like us. Nothing's changed in the world. You know, he's still God and he's still sovereign. They said, well, we believe, but help our unbelief. And we're in that position sometimes ourselves. We believe, but God, why is this happening? He said, well, don't worry about that. Worry about what is the most important thing, and that is to confess him with your mouth and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory. Why? To the glory. We talk about glory. To the glory of God, his Father. 
That's the glory. I got a long way to go today. Bear with me. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. What is his name? Jesus. His name's not Muhammad. His name's not Billy Graham. His name's not Lonnie. His name's not a church. It says that he may believe in the only begotten Son of God. Hallelujah. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. People need to realize that the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of do's and don'ts. It's a kingdom of grace and freedom. It's a kingdom of revelation. It's not a penalty. The kingdom of God is not a penalty. He's not trying to take things away from us that we dearly love. You know, when that conversion takes place is when we become full enough of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God that we just don't, Jeremy mentioned it on Wednesday. We say, I got freedom, but it's not freedom to do whatever I want to do. It's freedom to say, no, I'm not going to do that. See, that's part of the kingdom of God. A lot of uh, people reduce it to performance or what. You know, the kingdom of God's not about performance either. The kingdom of God is about belief. And in areas where we have trouble with our belief, where we don't think God's moving fast enough, we just wait. That guy with the, rolled up his mat was there 38 years. Think about that. 38 years waiting for something to happen. Man. You talk about needing faith. That, Imagine eating a 38-year-old hamburger. Uh, you wouldn't like that very much, would you? That's a long time to hold on to eat that White Castle that's just going to do you wrong. But he had 38 years worth of faith. You know what it impresses me more than was he went down there every day. And he had to believe that something was going on. He had to believe in the stirring of the waters. Every now and then, the angel of, there's an angel again. The angel of the Lord would descend and he would trouble the waters or stir the waters. Well, every day he sat and watched somebody else getting in. You know, we get jealous in our Christianity sometimes about how come I don't do that? How come they don't ask me that? Listen, the most important thing is to show up for the stirring of the water and see where God's going to take it after that. Jesus walked into his life that day and he even had the conversation where he said, every time I try to get in the water, somebody beats me there. Jesus said, oh, I got the, I got the solution for that. You don't have to wait on anybody else anymore. The important thing is he showed up for 38 years. And just by it being his day, the Savior walked into his life and he was never the same. Do you agree with that? It's the truth. It's the truth. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, and neither comes to the light that his deeds might be might be reproved. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Confess with our mouth. Now, I want to go to first, I want to go to John 1.14, if we could. Well, let's go to uh, 
John 1.6. This is fun stuff here. This is the glory of God. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. Okay? He was not the light, this is John, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. That's what Jesus does. He can light every man because he's the creator. You know why I believe that? Because he said, let there be light. And there was light. We didn't need anybody else to say, let there be light, because his word is final. And when we talk about eternal things, his word is final. You know, there's a lot of things that we debate in churches or we debate in this and we debate. But when he says that it's final, he said, let there be light. Well, if he's the manufacturer of light or the creator of light, he is the light that comes into the world. There is no other light besides him. Okay. He was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world didn't know him. We've got the same circumstances today. The world doesn't want to know him because they think the kingdom of God is a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's on the sign out there. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom from that. You know, another thing we, could, we, need to, we do in churches sometimes that we need to quit is believing whether somebody's truly saved or not. You know, that's a personal thing between them and God. Let them make the confession. It's their confession to make. When we pray with people to receive Christ, let them confess with their mouth. Lead them to that place. Don't just tell somebody, well, you're saved because of this or because of that, because that doesn't get down to the bottom of it. The bottom of Nicodemus came at night because he wanted to find out some truths that were important. We need to lead people to him, not so that we can say, well, we had 175 people saved last week. Well, that's great as long as they confess the Lord Jesus Christ and didn't just do it because everybody else was doing it. It's a personal thing. He's a personal God. That's what makes it so neat. He's personal. What you lack, he can supply. The light that we lack, he is the light. So you're drawn to the light. It's like a moth is drawn to the light. Well, go on. He came unto his own, his own but here, here's the cool part. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on what? His name. Here we are again. So if you're born again today, you have received power to become a son of God. If I'm a son of God, I have an inheritance. If I'm a son of God, I have a good father. Oh, he's a good father. We sing that song all the time. He is good to us. I have a good father. My father loves me. and father takes care of me. He provides for me. And all I have to do is confess my belief in him. It's so simple. It says here, but as many as received him, he gave power to. Now, it's not just power for lay hands on people and healing. It's power to walk in the freedom and the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is all around you. We're carriers of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God lives within you. How does it do all these things? By belief in the Son of God. That he is who he says he is. Well, verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. That's what John 3.16 is all about. Being born of God. We need two births. We need the physical birth and the spiritual birth birth. Well, you say, well, why God put us through all that? There ain't all that to go through. All you got to do is confess him and believe that he's God. That he is who he says he is. It's real simple, really. Jesus, it says here he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Or he didn't come to the world to confuse the world. <laughs> he came that we might have eternal life. The gospel was not a thing of confusion. Bible study and things like that is like gravy. We get to, how many of you uh, like a good old chicken fried chicken or something like that? Or a chicken fried steak or mashed potatoes? Oh, that's string of, whew. Trying to quit. And they say, do you want brown gravy or see all this stuff? Bible study, we enjoy Bible study because there's truths that are brought out. But even after all the truths are brought out and all the great teachers that we have here in the church, there's one thing, that's all gravy. That's all icing on the cake. What starts all of that is believing in him. And everything else is just gravy. Now, you ever go to a restaurant and they say, do you, you want gravy on that? Oh, are you kidding? I'll take all the gravy you can give. <laughs> Darlene's on this gluten-free uh, whatever. A cookie looks like a cookie to me, but she won't eat anything that's gluten, got gluten in it. So she has a special diet that she's on right now. I don't understand it, but I see it working. <laughs> It works. And when they ask me if I want gravy, I'll say, I want white gravy and as much as you can lay it on there, you give me. And bring me a bowl on the side. <laughs> Does that hit home with anybody? Well, back to the gospel. Here's what it says. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's here today. When you sense the anointing of God in a place, it's unmistakable. Now listen, there's, there, people will try to counterfeit it, but you can't. Eventually the wheels fall off of a false faith. There's only one that rings true, and that's the Holy Spirit. You can tell if it's the Holy Ghost or not. Now look what else he said. And we beheld his glory. As if the only begotten of the Father is full of grace and truth. These are the two characteristics of our Savior. He's full of grace toward us and truth. He didn't say 
and just said, we beheld his glory, which leads me to believe that when we enter into his glory, what we should sense is grace. When we come to him, there's a great grace that he lays out for us. Great grace. He has great grace. If he's the inventor of light and the creator of light, he's the creator of grace also. Everything that is involved in the kingdom of God, he did with great grace. He would dine with publicans and sinners and was criticized for it. But that's an example of his grace toward all mankind. And we say we want to see his glory, then we got to see his glory in grace. You know, some people rule with an iron fist. Some people are more lenient. You know, grace is an important thing in the, in the kingdom. You know, however you get saved is fine with me. But I love the grace of God. I love it. I love it. But also I realize that in the cross was grace, but also in the cross it says it's truth. The devil will try to wear out your grace, and he'll try to wear out our grace with one another. But Ephesians says that there's a remedy for that. You speak the truth in love, in grace. That's what that is. And that's what keeps people in the, You know, I, I've heard so many people say, well, I was wounded in church. I was this, I was that. Listen, keep your eyes on the cross because the cross is full of grace and truth. And if people that have hurt you or offended you, give them time. Give them grace. Because the end result is, we don't want to lose anybody out of the kingdom. We want them drawn back into the grace of God. The Holy Spirit will speak to them and say, you offended that person. Well, how do we make offense right? Well, we confess it, we forgive each other, and we move on. The Bible is nothing but the truth of God. If anybody offends this, this is step one, two, three. This is what you go through. There's great grace, but there's also truth. That's the way the kingdom of God works. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Now, Matthew 17, 1. Almost finished here. Glory. We're talking about glory here. I've often thought how comical it's going to be if the rapture takes place here in the next 10 years or so. That's not comical. But what's comical is if you're left behind, you're going to see mankind trying to explain what happened. They got no more chance of doing that than I do being the Queen of England because... It, <laughs> Think about it. Millions of people missing. Some great alien abduction took place. And then the other part will be mad at God. Think about it. At the very hour of their judgment, they'll get mad at God. You talk about a bad bet or a bad beat in poker, that's a bad beat. It's a very, it's a very outstretching of his hands. They still reject the cross. That's why judgment has to come. It has to come. 
Look here, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and bring them up to a high mountain. And he was transfigured. And the word transfigured means to, it's an exalting. In other words, in the company of Peter, James, and John, it says he was transfigured. In other words, there was an exalting of him that took place. Everything changed. And that's what he offers in our... He took these guys up there to show them something that they hadn't seen before. They were going to see the real glory of God, the transfiguring glory of God, which changes everything. And I don't know about your salvation experience, but mine was a transfiguring or an exalting of God. The first words out of my mouth after I got saved, everybody was looking at me. I just said, well, praise the Lord. First time it came out of my mouth ever was praise the Lord. So something had changed. I had received something in praying the prayer that I could not say anything but praise the Lord. Well, it also means a glorifying. So what these Peter, James, and John were having was an exalting experience. When you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe on his name, there's an exalting that takes place because you believed him, but there's also an exalting in your life because he's raised you up to sit in heavenly places with the Father. We're seated in heavenly places. So whether we realize it or not, there's an exaltation that takes place in salvation when we believe on him. And there's also a glorifying. We talk about the glory of God. John said, we beheld his glory. This is John who was up there on the mountain with them. He said, listen, we know this to be true because we've seen it. And the best we can describe it is in earthly terms. If you read the book of Revelation, that same John, he had so much trouble explaining what he was seeing. I mean, the book of Revelation, some people are scared to death of it. But you know what takes place? In the end, there's an exalting and a glorifying of God. That's the end result of those. Who are these with their robes? And those that did this or did that. Well, go on. It's also a spiritual change. He was changed. He was transfigured. His whole countenance changed. And it says a change in form or appearance. So he was transformed in that. And then it says, and beheld there... Uh, appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with them. But Peter answered and said, one of my favorite parts of Scripture, Peter, Mr. Obvious. The rest of the, see, Peter, James, and John, the, the rest of the disciples had to really lay down their egos because Peter was always in trouble, always doing something wrong. But he had the heart of God in him. He's like David. David did a lot wrong, but he was after God. He was after him. But, you know, they, they, probably, uh, they probably said, Oh, Peter, just raise your hand or something, because we know you're going to blurt out. But look what Peter said. One of the greatest understatements in the history of the world. He sees Elijah and Moses, and Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. <laughs> Duh. Think about it for a minute. And you say, well, that's pretty simplistic. Peter realized it's good for us to be here. It's good to be in the glory of God. 
you know, Peter recognized the glory of God. So did James and John. It's good for us to be here on this mountain with the Savior. And, and of course, Peter, being Peter, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you will, let us make three tabernacles. He wanted to build a church on it right away. <laughs> such a, such a, a great-hearted man. You know, such a great... If you go to Israel today, and many of you have been to Israel, any place where something supposedly happened, there's a church built over top of it. Somebody picks out a rock and they put this around it and they say, well, this is, they built a church over it. It's almost like the devil says, well, I'll rob the, what, you can only get into certain places, but only certain places you can feel the glory of God. It's not everywhere. But typically he said, let's make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud. These are the things that take place in the glory of God. Okay, how many of you hear voices? I mean the right kind of voices. <laughs> there used to be a song back in the 80s, voices, I hear voices. But it wasn't the kind of voices we want to hear. We want to hear Holy Spirit voices. I'm almost done. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my son. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. End of story. And it says, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were very afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, don't be afraid. And we've said that a long time in here. Don't be afraid of the glory of God because in it is the grace you need and the truth you need. The Bible says we beheld his glory and his glory was full of grace and truth. It was full of it. Full of grace. His glory. It almost takes your breath away sometimes. Isaiah said he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he said, oh, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live in the company of people that are not clean either. And there comes an angel again. And he said one of the seraphim took a coal off the fire and touched his lips. End of problem. End of problem. We serve a God today that is the end of the eternal problem that we have. Every man, woman, child born is going to be die, is going to die unless they're transcended in the rapture, transformed. We have a promise of eternal life by belief in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, there's so much more. Peter's. <laughs> It's good for us to be here. He says it in Mark 9, 2, and he says it in Luke. It's good for us to be here. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads if we would today.
want to make sure today that everyone realizes the presence of God is in this place. This is his tabernacle. This is the place where we come to meet him. He's all around us, but we come to this, this sanctuary here because we believe. And there might be some here today that believe a little, but they don't believe enough. They have never taken that step to confess him. The name of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the wonderful Counselor, the Almighty Father, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so if you're in here today and you need to confess that with your mouth, that He is Lord and there is no other, and you're placing the rest of your life on this earth and eternity in the hands of the one that said, let there be light, and you will receive the grace and truth of Christ in your life.